I would say that one of the biggest roles for a CHRO is to help their direct reports understand that there's value in co-creation because I find people are so um, dependent on kind of their own knowledge and success in execution and the idea sometimes of co-creation, especially with someone that's outside of, say, recruiting or LNOD or especially compensation, is so anathema to how they've operated in the past. So the idea of getting your team comfortable with the idea of co-creating with your employees, I think, is a very important point for CHROs to think about. That was Guild Education Chief People Officer Lorna Hagen. In this episode, I sat down with Lorna to talk about her career journey in HR across a range of companies and industries and her latest role leading the people team at Guild Education. And we'll be right back with that conversation after a brief word from our sponsor. Support for the Redefining HR podcast comes from PIN. PIN is building the world's first employee-centric communications tool powering fast-growing companies like Shopify, Rubrik, and Sneak. Automate messages across the employee journey so you never miss an opportunity and your employees are supported every step of the way. From onboarding to becoming a new manager and more, PIN helps companies communicate at scale. Go to pinhq.com for more information. That's P-Y-N-H-Q.com. Reinvent communications for the distributed workforce. And now, onto the show. Hey everyone, welcome to Redefining HR. I'm your host, Lars Schmidt, and today I'm really excited to sit down with an old friend of mine, Lorna Hagen. Lorna is the Chief People Officer at Guild Education. We are actually collaborating as well on a search as we speak for a Vice President of Talent Management role uh, for her team at Guild. So we're going to get into her career path, we're going to get into what she's building at Guild, and much more. So Lorna, Thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, why don't you just start off with a, a little bit of an introduction and background on you? So first, I'm thank you for having me on here. This is very cool. I'm always in awe of your guests, and I feel a little cheapish of joining in, in their company, but I really appreciate the invitation. So a, a little bit about me and Guild. I am probably a three-time CPO at this point, and really... Um, excited about what what's happening at Guild and for several reasons. But one is I've had the great um, ability to go between very big companies and startups a few times and kind of weave in and out of that. And I think what I've been able to do is kind of take the best out of all situations and eventually, you know, land at a place like Guild where we are about 1,200 employees, about 1,400 will end the year out, I imagine, with incredible wind at our sales and incredible growth and an incredible momentum in our sales cycle. And Um, incredibly mission-driven. So the ability to have worked at scale already and in scaling companies, and now to tie that all together with this idea of being in a very purpose-driven company um, is really exciting to me. What Guild does, which I think is really important, is we work with major employers in the U.S., so Fortune 1000 companies, to reimagine and then redeploy their education benefits for employees. So getting out of that traditional tuition reimbursement model 
and building debt-free programs for their employees. So essentially, these companies are paying for their um, their employees to go back to school. And the market for reskilling and upskilling of adult learners is massive and important. As we know, there are just not enough workers to cover the demand of jobs. And so we're doing something that is of the moment, but also incredibly important for future generations. So that's kind of awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot about what you're building at Guild that I want to I want to dig into with you. But before we even get to that, let's let's kind of jump back into the uh, the time machine, the start of your career. I mean, you, you've worked in this space of HR, people ops, everyone to frame it now uh, for the majority of your career. What originally drew you to HR? How did, how did you find yourself in the field? Um, in the beginning, I used to say, probably until about five years ago, I used to say that this was the accidental career, this idea of going into HR. Now I say it was a very in- intentional career. So I um, had gone to school for hotel and restaurant management, and hotel and restaurant management is essentially managing people. And it's a very, very labor-intensive role, as you know. Uh, I did two years of that post-college and realized there is a lot of value actually in being involved in the design and the management of the programs that actually elevate the employee experience. We didn't call it employee experience at the time, but it's what I was thinking. How do you design and treat your employees as shareholders? in order to get the most productivity out of them. Kind of that was my my very um, young 20s type of thinking about this idea. And so I, I joined a sports management company, did my master's coursework while I was there in labor relations. And so it was really thinking about both aspects, right? I had come from hospitality, labor relations was huge, but also I had this idea of culture and um, engagement, happiness, right? Then Zappos came out with the happiness book. I don't really ascribe to that so much anymore, but certainly engagement and satisfaction um, and employee experience. And so was able to go in and out of many industries. Uh, part of that is because it, I'm, I'm constantly curious and very interested to see um, what happens on the other side. And so I've been very fortunate to be able to build a really satisfying career in media and sports and journalism and fintech um, and now in this kind of hybrid ed tech space. And so it's been very intentional in not only industries, but roles too. So it hasn't been all um, kind of this upward up the ladder, some very lateral moves as well. And leaving the HR business partner role into talent management and compensation, and then going back into a BP role. And so I've done several different kind of rotations in order to get to where I am today. Yeah, you know, and I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the kind of um, the breadth and variety of industries uh, in your background because I did find that really interesting about your your career path and your career progression. And you know, I'm curious when you look back and you mentioned you've you've been kind of in this uh, CPO CHRO seat several times over. You you've seen a lot of change that's taken place in the field of HR, like let alone what's we've gone through the last you know 18 months. But like. When you when you think about the the field, maybe when you came into it to where we are today, what are some of the biggest kind of macro shifts that uh, that we've experienced? Well, listen, one of the things that I would say is at the top, and it, it, it's funny, I, I feel like this doesn't get enough press anymore, even though it's more important today than ever. It's this idea of um, employee at the top of the pyramid, right? And so Starbucks really 
was the one that revolutionized this idea of the hierarchy of needs in, in their organization. And they always talked about employee, community, shareholder. And they were certainly ahead of, of every other company. And um, especially now, as I think about it, they, they've been providing education benefits for employees for years and years and years, and everyone's catching up now. And yet it's only now, I feel, post-pandemic that every other company is catching up to this idea of the employee needs to be just as equal as the customer or the shareholder. And, and companies are only starting to realize that because now the employee actually has some more buying power. They have more leverage. And I would say white collar and blue collar, right? So this is almost uh, role agnostic. And people are um, incredibly uh, pickier. They're choosing other options um, because they have optionality, right? There are not enough workers for all the open jobs. So that's one thing that I think has, has been a, a major drastic shift in this job. And so then the idea of, I feel like we, ha we have this swing of kind of the labor relations, CHRO, and then you have this very business commercially focused CHRO, and they came out of the big company labs, which I think we all know and respect. And now what you're seeing is this swing back to the human piece of human resources and really thinking about employee experience, the employee as a stakeholder, the human aspect of everything that we do, um, and how do we capitalize on it, meaning A, really get the productivity that we want, but also make our employees feel seen and heard and valued, which I think um, people academically knew was the right thing, but somehow always left to the tail end of priorities. Yeah, I think that that, you know, that that often was the case. And I think that we're kind of entering this new era. Like you said, you know, uh, employees are in the driver's seat. They've got optionality. They, they've got choice. And and we have to respond to that. Right. We have to we have to knowing that we have to create environments that attract and retain that talent. And we've all you know read about the great resignation and all of the uh, you know, now we have stats behind it. Like that's not just, you know. Uh, you know, journalism hyperbole. Like this is this is something we're experiencing. And if you're watching and viewing, you're probably experiencing this either either as a candidate or uh, somebody trying to hold on to your talent. You know, one of the things that I'd love to I want to get into your role at Guild, but before we explore that, I want to kind of jump back to your last role at iHeartMedia because it was a very you know iHeartMedia is a you know ten thousand person uh, you know media and entertainment brand. You were brought in uh, to kind of drive HR transformation. And then COVID hits, right? Like, obviously, you weren't hired to drive transformation during a global pandemic. Uh, obviously, that came later. But, like, how do you adapt to that? Like, as a leader coming in, you're, you're brought in with this big uh, remit to lead transformation, modernization. That's big, meaty work, especially at that scale. And, and you're, you know, you probably went in and, and started beginning designing your roadmap and your priorities and your, you know, two to three year strategy. And then the pandemic comes and upends all of that and you have to you have to not just recalibrate that but that almost takes a back seat to leading the initial um you know how the organization navigates the the early days of the pandemic so what was that experience like how did you end up you know recalibrating your strategy and, and rethinking that uh once you began designing it and then you had to kind of you know uh really look at it with fresh eyes uh in the in the landscape and the backdrop of a pandemic that's a great question, and it was such an interesting uh, time for me there. I, yeah, you're exactly right, right? I had this 
terrific office and a big wall that was entirely whiteboard. And I had a three-year um, roadmap uh, written out with my dry erase markers. And it was by quarter and it was by vertical. And it was, and we were moving, like we were moving in that direction. We were starting to make changes at the team level, at the program level, and the technology uh, stack that we were using. And that was October of 2019. So, so fairly quickly, kind of by January, you're starting to read news of COVID. And by February, I remember thinking, we should dust off our business continuity planning. And um, the kind of the first order of business was making sure that our radio personalities could work from home. Like if something, God forbid, were to happen, whatever this thing was, and for whatever reason I had a spidey sense about it, let's make sure that everyone can do their shows from home. And we were, we were lucky that we did that, right? I think some other companies didn't actually think that this was going to be the thing. And so the entire HR strategy then gets just pushed aside. Now you're just purely in survival mode. So you're literally making sure that our employees are safe. We had um, frontline workers and uh, because it's a, it was a terrestrial radio station, right? It's, it's radio stations and with government contracts, right? So by law, those, those stations need to stay on the air because it's the federal emergency broadcast system. And so we had to have our people go in. So now how are you handling testing? How are you handling safety protocols? How are you handling um, sanitation in your offices? How are you handling guests? How are you handling being in 50 states where half the country believes that this is kind of a hoax and the other half doesn't, which by definition means that half of our employees believe this is a hoax and half of them don't. And so it was a really challenging interesting um, puzzle to solve. And so HR strategy goes kind of out the window. And the only things that mattered were employee safety, staying on the air, and making sure that we could evolve very, very, very quickly into a digital workplace. And um, I and my IT team there, we had just started testing Microsoft Teams in November of 2019. This was not a video-enabled culture. And so um, I think, you know, all the stars aligned and we got very lucky. And so because some of our corporate teams had been testing teams and using it, we were able to deploy to the organization very quickly. And, and that was the job for, for, you know, a little over the year um, of the beginning of COVID, that was the job. And then eventually kind of the same thing that happened to so many moms is I had these teenagers and they were struggling and how do we do school and work? And I was one of those people that just opted out and said, I can't, you know, this is, it's a little too much. And so by that point, Every DJ could do their show. We knew the protocols. We ha I mean, I had an amazing team at iHeart. They were so wonderful. Um, overall, you know, everyone that was working on this in all departments really were very dedicated to safety and business continuity. And so they were fine. Um, and then I went and became an eighth grade teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, just the experiences of the pandemic from uh, an HR perspective are so unique, but just a, a, I think, you know, parents experience the, all of this in a very unique way. And like a, a lot of, uh, you know, us became teachers and, 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 and had to make other, you know, difficult decisions like you did around trade-offs with, you know, a career and family and education. And, 
you know, that, that's a difficult time. And I think we're, we're still, as a workforce, we're still recovering from that, right? I mean, now schools, you know, knock on wood, have been able to be open and, and stay open uh, so far. And, you know, we're getting good news with vaccinations in the U.S. It's looking like they're going to get green lit, uh, you know, here in the coming weeks, which is another huge population. That's going to be a huge uh, burden off the shoulders of a lot of parents who have younger children who were not able to get vaccinated yet. So, um, yeah, that is just, it, it's a lot to process and, and work through. And I think, you know, obviously you're, you're in a new role now, you're, you're in a new kind of leadership position again, you know, you've been in several environments in the past where you've come in as that new leader. And I think, you know, as we, t- we talk about the great resignation, we're seeing this in HR as well. I mean, uh, there's a, a survey that I ran uh, last month uh, with, you know, specifically for heads of people and CHROs and CPOs asking about their thoughts on mobility uh, over the, you know, the last 18 months. And uh, I think the sample size was about 280 respondents and uh, almost half of them are no longer in the job that they were in in January of 2020. Uh, and only 20% of them like had not looked and have no plans to look. So like this is still unfolding for us. And so I think a lot of listeners and viewers, um, maybe they are about to change jobs, thinking about changing jobs, have recently changed jobs. And especially for a role like yours as the people leader, the ability to come in and kind of um, build trust, build relationships with your executive peers your uh, team and your employees and then your population at large is so key to your success. So, you know, for you, I know you've done this a couple times over. Um, what has worked for you? Do you have do you, do you have any kind of, you know, set um, approaches that you, you usually try to do as you're a new leader coming in to kind of build uh, your levels of trust with those three constituents? I've done this the right way and I've done this the wrong way. So I, I, I've, I've, I've tested this. I've done some A-B testing. I, I would say that what's worked for me is your primary team is your executive team. And that's where you have to focus your time. Like don't compromise on those one-on-ones and building relationships with your peers. If you don't do that, right, if you start, say, with your HR team and your direct reports and, you know, skip level meetings, um, you're going to miss a really key 90 to, you know, 100, 120-day opportunity to build the relationships that are really going to facilitate strategy execution for the HR function. And so that's kind of price of entry, um, absolutely number one. The the second is being very, very conscientious of doing due diligence and interviewing people at the company, also your team, but other people and understanding the pain points, right? How many interviews are you doing? Who are you talking to? How many levels down to really get a good idea? And I think the best um, CHROs can do this very quickly is um, understanding what's what's real and what's not real, right? So your CEO or a peer might tell you, oh my God, this thing is happening and it's very serious. Well, that's probably an end size of two people said, made a comment. So it's actually not. And so how are you able to see the forest through the trees in order to then really nail down what your strategy is going to be? And then be very, very um kind of surgical around then your own leadership team. You have to move quickly and you have to be able to assess um, those folks that can can see your vision and are going to be able to run alongside you. I think that that's kind of the order of importance where I've been very successful. Now, that's, that's great feedback. And I hopefully uh, those of you watching and viewing uh, who are 
finding yourselves in a similar uh, position, you're onboarding, you will be soon. <laughs> Please take notes during that because that's uh, I think that feedback is really valuable. And again, you know, there there's so much for you to do as a new leader. Like it, it's it's a it's a limitless, bottomless, you know, well of of needs and priorities uh, that you know you have to be able to like your comment around the forest and the trees. I think is really important because. Just because something may be, you know, noisy from one stakeholder or group of stakeholders doesn't necessarily mean it's important to the business in the grander context. And especially as a new leader, you've got to prioritize your time and cycles. You 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 don't have that many of them. And so if you're not able to really kind of separate noise from from uh, you know signal noise and what's really important, um, you can find yourself running down the wrong road quickly and and you don't have a lot of you know leeway to do that especially as a new leader where you have so many things that you're going to be um tasked with uh with kind of transforming the building in the company well so that's really true and and what i want to add to that is that remember that now you do it in a digital workplace so where you might have over indexed a little bit on your team you're now not some of us maybe most of us you're not actually in a building with people and so for example i'm in new york some of our leaders are in California. Uh, most of them are in Denver. That's a three-hour time difference. And so how do you maximize the ability to build those relationships while you are now also kind of a chief comms officer and having to deal with what's happening externally that might you know, land at the feet of your CEO? You're still chief medical officer because COVID has not gone away, right? There are these other, you're, you're absolutely now chief compliance officer because now you've hired employees in states where you actually never did work or hired anyone. And there's a whole complexity of um, state regulations, leave of absence rules, all things that are different and new to your team. And so you've already added three new jobs on top of the job that you already had. I mean, you're so right. I often, lately, I've been referring to you know our field as like the department of plus one because so much of what has been happening around us like hits us, right? Directly impacts us and or we're asked to own it. And and some of these things are, things that are typically within the scope of HR and people ops. Some aren't. Uh, and you nailed you know a variety of that are are hugely important um, for us right now, including communications. Because I think you know when you look at the the education and and the you know certifications, however you want to look at what what the traditional formal developmental um, apparatuses are out there for HR leaders, communication is usually not in that mix, and it's never been more important, especially this environment now where we're all many of us are distributed, we're digital. It's not just about being able to write effectively. It's being able to, to, to tell stories in an effective way, um, to kind of be able to boil down complex things in, in ways that are easy for employees to digest and understand and support. So it's uh, the, the complexity of the field has just ratcheted up so much over the last couple of years. And, um, and I don't see that going away. Like I, I think a lot of the things that we've taken on are things that will remain to what extent or you know or another uh, as we kind of move into the next several years. So, as you mentioned at the, the beginning of the show, uh, you recently joined uh, Guild Education earlier this year as their chief people officer. What drew you to Guild? I imagine when you were ready to kind of go back, you had a lot of options to consider. What what was it about Guild that that, that brought you in? So there are a few things that I. Um it's funny that I had not thought about say ten even ten years ago, maybe even five years ago. Um, but the most important 
and and this this could be age. I'm not sure. I'm still working this out in my mind. Is it had to be very the company had to be aligned to my values. I have worked at companies where our values were entirely different, and it didn't really matter. I was okay with that. Um, at this point in my career, there are a few things that I value very much. One is time with my family and with my friends. The other is the work that I do outside of you know, my kids and my actual job. And so a few years ago, I was on the, um, the board, the initial board of a charter school in Brownsville in Brooklyn. And our school served um, really underrepresented kids. 20% of our students were homeless. And 5% of the population in that neighborhood had a college degree. So it was really important to be able to bring these kids in and show them opportunity and teach them things outside of their regular scope that were really important in leading to their future success. And so I spent two years on that project, and it was really, really important. The other is I'm on the advisory board of a company called Via Group, and it is one of the few professional services company that's a B Corp, uh, like Guild. And we focus very much on talent management practices that have a deep, deep emphasis on equity and diversity, equity and inclusion. And those things are important to me. And Guild came along and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't ready to, to, I was still teaching eighth grade, so I wasn't ready to move on. And I said, sure, I'll take the call. Um, And I spoke to Rachel, the CEO, and it was like, it was karma. It was almost instantaneous where I said, ah, here is the company that aligns to those two other projects that absolutely at its core speaks to me and the type of person I want to be and the type of community that I want to be involved in and the type of company that I want to help build. Um, And it it made all the sense in the world. It was the first time where like all of those pieces have kind of clicked and my job makes sense in my life, makes sense in my um, activities outside of work, and um, and so that was that was how I came to it. It's, when, it's interesting when you kind of talk about the the alignment being there, but also how that alignment being there is much more important to you today in, in your career. And I think that you know that that it's a good illustration. I think of what a lot of employees um, have gone through over the last, you know, specific, especially going through what we've gone through with. The pandemic and everything else. I think a lot of employees uh, and just humans have kind of reset their own priorities and what matters to them. And this idea of um, you know prioritizing their own you know well being, their own mental health, their own um, family time, right? In ways that I think maybe we we hadn't been talking about in this kind of focused way uh, in recent memory. And so I think that coming out of the pandemic. That that's a big shift that I think in a lot of ways is going to force people operations to recalibrate a little bit how we operate, right? Whereas in the past we were you know much more reliant on set ways of doing things, playbooks. Uh, you know, here's our benefits package, here's our structure. Employees have to opt into this. To now creating more flexible constructs, and this is goes deeper than just hybrid. Uh, and so it's, it's really interesting to see like how companies are going to have to adapt and how people operations is going to have to adapt to meet employees more of where they are, because as we said earlier, like they're in the driver's seat. And if you want to be competitive in this market, you're going to have to be able to, to offer them things that allow them to have whatever they value as their own balance, uh, in ways that, um, you know, we often didn't offer before. 
I, I think this goes to one of your previous questions, which is I, I actually came from a from a from a training stomping ground where I was told that you don't forget you work for the management of this company, not the employees. Well, so fast forward almost twenty years, and what I think about and have started doing is hmm, how do we co-create with our employees so that we're not building things in a vacuum because some other CHRO at this other company that might or might not be kind of adjacent to us did it successfully. And I, I think we all need to get in that mode. And I would say that one of the biggest roles for a CHRO is to help their direct reports understand that there's value in co-creation because I find people are so... Um, dependent on kind of their own knowledge and success in execution and the idea sometimes of co-creation, especially with someone that's outside of say recruiting or LNOD or especially compensation is so anathema to how they've operated in the past. So the idea of getting your team comfortable with the idea of co-creating with your employees, I think is a very important point for CHROs to think about. Hey everyone. I'm excited to introduce you to the new Amplify Accelerator platform. The Amplify and Redefining HR ecosystem have evolved quite a bit over the last two years, starting with a podcast, growing to a book, and now leading to a full platform aimed at developing and supporting the next generation of chief people officers. You know, the mission of Amplify is accelerating innovation at scale, and we now do that through HR executive search services, cohort courses, communities, jobs, and media. That includes the podcast and the book. So you can check all of this out at AmplifyTalent.com. And now back to the show. I think most of us have done a much better job of, of listening. And, you know, we've been serving our employees more in many cases during the pandemic to kind of get a read on uh, what they need, how they're doing, uh, checking in, all that. Like, I think when we can co-create and design with employees as opposed to design to employees, you know, or maybe for employees, we're, we're building something different. And we're also learning a lot in doing that. So we're kind of matching our own domain expertise and, and calibrating that with our employees to be sure that we're designing to the right things and actually meeting them where they need to be met as opposed to, uh, you know, having an approach that, well, this is just the way that this is gets done because it's the way we've always done that. I think we're in this kind of great reset time. Yeah. And I think that we should all be embracing this idea of beta testing constantly, like test something, see if it works, then think about a bigger scope. Right. And instead of here's the big reveal, like I think the days of big reveal for people teams should definitely be over. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I Pilot has been one of my favorite words in HR, especially when I was in an operator seat. Uh, and, you know, earlier this week, I was recording a podcast with the Lego Group's uh, chief people officer. You know, he came from a commercial background. And he even mentioned kind of coming into HR, one of the biggest things that kind of, it was an adjustment for him as he's kind of building out his new vision is, you know, he's used to, used to commercial products where, you know, you, you roll it out, you immediately get market feedback, you recalibrate, you adjust. The cycles are pretty narrow. He's like, you know, and then in HR, we're used to, you know, having an idea, creating a business case, getting a pilot team or not even a pilot team, like getting, a, you know, stakeholders, you know, iterating. And, and next thing you know, we've rolled it out 18 months later and the reality on the ground is no longer the reality that needs that solution. And so being much more agile and iterative and how we think about designing practices and programs 
you know, that's going to be a great benefit for us. So we're also designing for people. So be able to get that real feedback from them in real time and calibrate based on their needs with co-creation as a steering lens. Uh, that's that's hugely important. Um, when you think about, you know, what you're building at Gilda, we've talked, obviously, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're collaborating uh, on the VP of Talent Management Search on your team. I'd love to just get a sense of like, your people vision, what you're trying to build. You, you mentioned you've kind of been in the seat a couple times over. You've learned, you know, things that you should do and you want to do. You've learned things that you, uh, mistakes you've made that, you know, you don't want to repeat those. And so how, how does all of that cumulatively like inform your vision for the people team at Guild and the kind of function you're working to build? I think that one thing hasn't changed and, and it's this idea of thinking about our team as in service of, right? I I went to school for hospitality and that's always been a part of how I've led um, and part of my leadership philosophy is we are in service to the mission of Guild. We are in service to the students that go through our programs. um, And then we are also in service to our employees. And I think that's a really important way to think about it. Not not everybody ag- agrees with that and not everybody uses that philosophy, but it's one that's worked really well for me. Um, and so as I think about this, and if I think about this idea of being in service to our students, the way that I'm building the team now is very much a, a kind of in three phases. And the, fa- the first phase is what every CHRO would do. It's like really looking at the foundations of what's working the, the difference being that it's 2021 and, and it's absolutely a, a rip and replace type of year and era, right? The things that have been used aren't necessarily the ones that are out there. And, you know, our friend George LaRocque is doing all this work in HR tech and, you know, all the players in that. And so there's, there's constant movement. And I would say we are all responsible for making sure that we're not relying on the things that worked 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, So foundationally, how do we think about setting up a function that is kind of beyond reproach, right? So if you go back and you look at the news um, in the last couple days, and one of the huge tech companies is all over the place because they can't seem to manage their leave of absence programs, like I... That makes my heart hurt and I feel terrible for the people at that company in my function because it is kind of a bear of this, what I talked about earlier in 50 states have 50 different policies and how can anyone possibly manage that complexity? And so whether you're 1,200 like we are or, you know, 1.5 million like they are, making sure that your foundational programs are beyond reproach is kind of your primary job. Then how I think about this is really, how do you digitize the employee experience? So kind of horizon two for us is enablement, whether you want to keep calling it self-service, direct access, but it's enablement and engagement through technology, I think is really, really critical, especially for workplaces where you are in a digital workplace and you are working through computers all day long and you're not actually talking to your manager, walking into their office or, or, or you know, leaning across their cube. So this idea of digitally enabled engagement is, found, is horizon number three for us. And then because we are in a business of um, kind of employee engagement and benefits, 
Horizon 3 is really about innovation and service to our student. So how do we set up our own foundational programs, our own digital programs, our own employee experience programs to be able to say to our customers or potential customers, here's how the Guild product works for us. And here are all the things that we've set up at our company to enable a real seamless transition of upskilling and reskilling and then ultimately internal mobility and increased diversity, equity, and inclusion metrics that really then lead to great outcomes, both for our employees and for our business. Yeah, well, I, I like that arc. And obviously, we mentioned the uh, VP Talent Management we're collaborating on, but I know you're growing elsewhere. So in the majority of the listeners and viewers, uh, this podcast are your target audience, uh, you know, people at HR, recruiting practitioners. So let's plug your jobs. What else, uh, what else are you hiring for right now? We're at work. If people want to join that vision, uh, what, what kind of uh, opportunities are there? So there you have your usual suspects, HR business partners, um, certainly looking at employee relations, right? To just stand alone and have employee relations separate from our people business partner team, which we are absolutely redefining as talent consultants to our business. And then how do they plug into our COEs? Recruiting, of course. I mean, you know, everyone's thinking about this, but the one that I'm really excited, I'm excited about all of them. I love my team, but one job in particular is, again, it's a pilot and it's this idea of hiring a director of work lab. And so now whether you're, you have frontline employees, hourly employees, or purely digital or some kind of mix of everything, and we actually have a mix of everything, thinking about um, how, how and, and using a little bit of Deloitte's um, uh, research, how has the worker changed the workplace and the work? And so hiring somebody to help us not only conceptualize today and tomorrow, but also to help us build programs within the people function and with our business and with our partners outside of the people function to really accelerate thinking differently about the things that we've done traditionally for so many years. I mean, that's a very you know cool job and a very unique job, I think, at your size, right? I think a lot of times when you see those future work-oriented jobs, they tend to be in enterprise companies or trying to create HR innovation labs. So um, you know, props to you for creating a role like that on your team. And uh, I'm sure there are some listeners and viewers who are probably like, oh, tell me more. So check out the career site. You can see all the specs of what you're hiring for there. Um, last question for you before we jump into the lightning round. You know, we've, we've talked about all the changes that are happening in the space right now, like when you think about uh, our future, when you think about the direction of the field for HR and people operations, what gets you most excited? Well, listen, so many things. One, and with one caveat, right, which is how do we actually stem this this attrition, right? I mean, I we talked about this a little bit. You get there, you're there for a year, and then already you're thinking, how much longer can I do this, right? Because there is the, this plus one um, concept that you brought up, it's it's really exhausting. And I've said, I've always maintained this and it's today truer than ever, which HR is the one job where you actually need to know every single piece of the business, right? So let's go back to this compliance thing. Like your CMO is not thinking about that, but, but your head of HR should be thinking about the CMO strategy, right? And so um, it, it, that is something um, that I spend a lot of time thinking about of, of how do we a, elevate the job to where it should be because we know it's not there yet um, and 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 really value it for, for what it can do and what it does. So that's one thing. What ex- excites me is this idea of 
really building a kind of a next gen of people leaders that understand storytelling and comms is critical to their um, uh, skill set and competencies. The idea to tell the story of your company, whether it's through your customer or your employees, and I think we've done that a lot here today, is really, really critical to the success of your function. Um, I think you, you see this more and more which is that employees want a mission-driven company and that's not different for your people team. And so how do you, you know, whether you're like manufacturing tires or you're doing something like what Guild is doing, how do you make everybody feel like they're a part of that mission? I think that's a really important piece that you can't lose. Um, so I'm excited about like this whole idea of um, different layers of the role of the CHRO, different ways of thinking for the function, new technology that's coming in, um, better ways of understanding for everyone in the business um, that your employee is an asset um, and is a live human being with needs no different than your shareholders. And, you know, to be provocative, the thing that I think about a lot is the conversation around profitability and where is the role of the CHRO in helping the CEO understand you actually might have to go for smaller profits because the demands on all of the capital of the organization are different today than it was 5, 10, 15 years ago. I mean, that's a great closing point. Um, and so I'm just going to let that hang there for a minute because <laughs> I, I think that is important. I think, you know, you have to, you know, so many businesses are obviously for profit. They're very focused on the bottom line, but this is a different world that we're in, we're existing in right now. And we have to redeploy that capital in ways that account for these new realities. Uh, and if we're not willing to do that, we're going to struggle. And and I think uh, companies that are able to identify that quickly uh, and, and make those adjustments and prioritize and kind of reshift the priorities um, are the ones who are going to be coming out, uh, you know, on a much better side of just the great resignation and just all the, the kind of turmoil that we're still experiencing. Um, I, I enjoy learning more about your career path, uh, your journey, what you're building at Guild. Um, so thanks for sharing all of that. And we close every episode with a lightning round to help the viewers and listeners get to know you a little bit better. So you ready to jump in? Um, I think I am. You think I so. Am. You know, everybody's always a little hesitant, like, ah, <laughs> like, no, it's, it's fun. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, I'm not, <laughs> uh, music is a big part of the uh, Amplify ecosystem. I always start here. You know, I'm checking out your Spotify playlist. Um, who am I going to learn to your top three artists? Um, well, mine is tied to my daughter's, so it's and so you would see um, Doja Cat and Nicki Minaj, and who knows? But mine are Maluma and Haim and Nina Simone. Okay, very cool. Um, what is your least favorite bu HR buzzword? Ugh, I I don't know if it's an HR buzzword, but like the word alignment is like nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> We get that a lot. You're right. That's not <laughs> HR specific, but it's certainly, uh, you know, uh, very, very rich in our world. Um, if you weren't working in HR, what would you be doing? Oh, I would be an interior designer or a landscape architect. Really? Yes. That's very cool. Yes. I think, uh, you know, we're, we're both having some uh, some home projects. So we've had some conversations around this. My wife oh, and I always <laughs> joke we have like zero interior design skills between us. So... Yeah, our house reflects that. We have to we have to bring somebody in. Maybe if you if you pursue that second career, uh, I, I maybe your first customer. If you can help us, oh, uh, I'm definitely <laughs> doing that. There's 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 a there are many more acts to follow. I like it. I like it. And uh, Lord, a last question for you. Um, 
Who is one HR leader who you admire and why? So, I, you know, th- this is, it. I was thinking a lot about this and I would say that's narrow. Like when I think about leaders that I really admire, you know, three very different ones come to mind. I would say Stanley McChrystal, the general, Danny Meyer, the restaurateur, and Sarah Blakely, the CEO of Spanx. And the one thing in all of my reading about them is they have always, always been incredibly employee-focused or soldier or whatever, right? It is that the team is what makes success happen, not the leadership. And and the leader is elevated because of that philosophy. And it's just really interesting for me to think about it. And then how do we as CPOs and CHROs start to think about that same philosophy and help our leaders kind of discover that path? Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, three uh, incredible leaders. And um, I'm so glad. It was so fun to be able to catch up with you on the podcast, learn a little bit more about your story. I love these podcasts because even people who I've known for a while, I always get to learn something new about them. So thanks so much for uh, sharing your career story and your work and uh, wishing you all the best with what you're building at Guild. Thank you, Lars. This was great. Thanks. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Redefining HR. For more information on the podcast, past episodes, future guests, the Redefining HR book, or free resources, be sure to check out redefininghr.com. And if you dig this podcast, why don't you share it with your CEO, your executive team, and your friends to help them discover what Redefining HR is all about. If you really dig this podcast, I'd love for you to leave a review on whatever podcast delivery vehicle your ears prefer. See you next week.